Maybe you fancy yourself as a speaker. I know that I love standing on stage and speaking to a large audience. When I began as a cast member at Disney, I was asked to stand up in front of approximately 200 people and welcome them to Disney. And I found the whole experience terrifying initially, but I began to love it. Now, what has this got to do with what we talk about here on the show? Well, a lot actually, because one of the great ways to get your brand out there as an expert on a subject is to stand up in front of people and speak. And I've said before, to step up, you've got to stand up. What that means is that you've got to be comfortable speaking to a large amount of people, not necessarily thousands, maybe that can come in time, but certainly to a large group of people who could include potential clients. And it certainly happened to me that whenever I give a talk somewhere, maybe uh, immediately or a couple of weeks or even sometimes one or two years after that talk, someone's thinking of something I've said and they connect with me and say, hey, I saw you give that talk or I saw you uh, talk about this thing and I heard this thing and I wonder if you could help us with this thing. And it's amazing how that act of giving from the stage what you know and sharing it with an audience that could need what you know can actually lead to revenue. And that's really what speaking is all about from my perspective. It's not just talking, but it's having an intention in mind. And this week, my guest is Grant Baldwin. And Grant runs a business called The Speaker Lab. You can check out his website over at thespeakerlab.com. He helps speakers get booked and paid to speak. So in this week's episode, we're covering a bunch of things, including things like what exactly a keynote is, what is a keynote, which kinds of organizations hire keynote speakers, how do you approach a client or a potential client as a keynote speaker, what are the ingredients of a great keynote talk, how do you work out what you should charge for a keynote? I'm smiling because that is a thing that many people struggle with. You know, am I worth $4,000, $5,000, $10,000 for a talk? Well, maybe you could be. And how much money can you make as a keynote speaker? This is the Training Business Podcast. Hey, and welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett Hayes. Hey, welcome to the show. My name is Mark, and it's my pleasure to welcome you back. This is the show for people who are in the business of making money from what they know, what they've done, what they've learned, and what they want to share in the form of programs, courses, books, keynotes. Every single week, I've got someone on the show to help you wherever you are on that part of your journey. I'm a self-employed trainer, I'm a coach, I'm a published author, so this week's episode resonates with me particularly because I'm curious about how you can actually make money standing on a stage. It sounds crazy, but you can get money from standing on a stage and sharing your framework, your insight, your content from your book, or something you've learned that will help people to solve a particular problem. And that's a key point that my speaker or my guest this week makes, which is the need to have a particular solution to someone's problem. If you've not yet subscribed, please click on the follow button or the subscribe button, whichever podcast platform you're on right now listening to me, whether it's Stitcher, Spotify or something else, because subscribing costs absolutely nothing. It means a lot to me and, and the team and of course takes only a couple of seconds. Grant, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate you letting me be here. You are founder and CEO at The Speaker Lab, and you're based in Tennessee in the US. So the reason I want to speak to you is actually selfish in a way, because I'm keen to know what 
you feel is necessary, first of all, in terms of um, getting in front of people in a closed door workshop, uh, delivering keynotes, or whether it's open something on stage. So let's first of all talk about what a keynote is. For people who've never thought of giving one before, why would you give a keynote speech? Yeah, I think one of the fun things about speaking is that there's a lot of different varieties in terms of like how speaking can look, meaning uh, keynotes is an option, but you also have workshops and breakouts and seminars and trainings and large uh, sessions and small sessions and, and everything in between. So uh, there are some speakers who uh, I know, for example, for me, I, I I feel like I'm really good in like a one hour block, uh, and so that's that's kind of my sweet spot. Um, and so the idea of doing like a full day thing, for example, like just, just seems exhausting to me personally. But I know other people who are like, you know, you, you can't cover anything in an hour. You know, I need three days with thirty people, and I want to go deep, deep, deep in the weeds, right? And the level of transformation that you can create out of that is vastly different than what you can do in a you know one hour keynote or session. And so it's not necessarily that one's better or worse than the other. It's just kind of it really depends on on you, what your personality is, what you're looking for, what it is that you want to accomplish, kind of the nature of what it is that you're teaching or presenting. And so, uh, again, I think that one of the fun things about speaking is it has a lot of, of variety depending on how you want to utilize it in your business. Okay. What would speaking, giving keynotes do for someone's personal brand? Yeah. I mean, we, we live in an age where speaking is one of these high perceived value type of services and, and crafts. And so when it's, it's kind of similar, if you meet someone who's, who, and you ask what they do and they say they're a brain surgeon or they're a rocket scientist, you know, there, there's just a level of credibility that we ascribe to that person. And the same thing is true with the speaker. It's like, wow, that, you know, that's kind of impressive. And so the level of, of, of credibility and authority and recognition and prestige that we ascribe to that type of role is really valuable. And so again, this is true, whether you want to be a, a full-time speaker, that's what I did for many, many years. I was speaking 60, 70 paid full-time. gigs a year. Yeah. Yeah. Full-time speaker. There's people that do that. They do, you know, hundred plus gigs. And then on the other end of the spectrum, there are people who, you know, they have a good business or they have something that's already working and maybe they want to speak five times a year or 10 times a year. And that's also fine. Again, it kind of goes back to what we talked about originally about, you know, keynotes versus workshops is whether you want to do keynotes versus workshops or five gigs or hundred gigs, like it all works. There's a lot of variety there and versatility in terms of what it is that you want to try to accomplish. Okay, I'm going to ask some dumb questions here, but let's go for it. What kind of organizations hire keynote speakers? Yeah, it's a, it's massively varies because uh, there's so many different types of, of groups that hire speakers. And so one of the things that we teach inside the Speaker Lab is there's seven different primary industries that hire speakers. Okay, So you have corporations, associations, nonprofit, faith-based and churches, government and military, colleges and universities, and education, like K through 12. Uh, and each of those is going to look slightly different in terms of what it is that they're looking for. Uh, but again, each of these kind of like, again, big, big, broad industries, higher speakers. And even within those broad industries, within those, you're going to have a, a huge variety of just kind of subcategories and sub niches of groups of higher speakers. So let me give you an example. Mm -hmm. There's a lady uh, that we were working with a client um, and she was a veterinarian and she wanted to do some speaking and add speaking. She's still a full-time veterinarian, but wanted to do some speaking, just kind of, again, build her network and credibility and that sort of thing. Uh, and so she, uh, she, we we walked her through kind of the the formula we teach and and she reached out shortly thereafter said hey I just booked my first gig I was like oh that's awesome tell me about it what what are you speaking at and she said I got invited to speak at an event in Vegas they're paying me five thousand dollars I said that's so cool like tell what's the what's the gig and she said it was a pet sitting conference 
a pet sitting conference. Okay. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> uh, like that? I don't even know that that's a thing, you know? Um, but here she was invited to speak at this pet sitting conference for $5,000. Now, if she had asked me prior to then saying, Hey, I'm really interested in speaking in the pet sitting space. Is there opportunities there? I'd be like, I don't think so, but maybe, you know, uh, and here she was speaking at this, you know, this, this event for a, a significant sum of money. And so I don't claim to know every possible industry. I'm regularly surprised by the types mm-hmm. of industries and opportunities that exist. And, and some are going to have more opportunities than others. But at the end of the day, being a speaker means that you are solving one specific problem for one specific audience. Now, what you want to try to do here, though, is you have to find the overlap between what you're interested in, what you're knowledgeable on, what you're passionate about. And what is it that organizations and groups actually hire speakers to talk about? Because if you say, hey, I'm the world's foremost expert on underwater basket weaving, that's great, but nobody cares about that. And most likely nobody is hiring speakers to talk about that. Maybe there's one potential opportunity out there. I, I don't know. I wouldn't think so. But uh, that's also very different than if you just say, I'm a, I'm a generic motivational speaker, right? The more broad, the more vague you go, the harder it is to actually find gigs. So again, the thing that we drill into our speakers all the time is you want to solve one specific problem for one specific audience. Interesting. Okay. You also said the magic words there, $5,000. Now, for some people listening, that's, oh my goodness, $5,000. You mean for just speaking on stage? How does someone actually get that kind of gig, earn the credibility where someone looking at their profile says, you're the person for us and you're worth $5,000 for one speech? Yeah, I think there's a, I think there's kind of a misconception among speakers that, and especially as you get started, that you you have to jump through all these hoops or these rites of passage in order to charge or to be uh, worthy of being paid to be a speaker. Meaning, like uh, sometimes people assume you have to have had some type of crazy life accomplishment or overcome some type of crazy life obstacle. You know, you need to have won a Nobel Peace Prize. You need to won a gold medal. You need to have um, climbed Mount Everest in your shorts blindfolded. You need to have conquered cancer. Like you need to do something that. People are like, oh, yeah, well, of course that person should be a speaker. Absolutely not. Like, I've been paid hundreds and hundreds of times as a professional speaker, and I'm a white male from the Midwest and the US who came from like a, a normal middle class family. Like, there's nothing on, on paper that screams, like, oh, yeah, of course Grant should be a speaker. Not at all. And that's the case with the majority of speakers. The thing that you have to do and you have to be great at is you have to solve a problem. You have to solve one specific problem for one specific audience. Now, the other thing that the speakers can kind of get hung up on sometimes is a lot of times speakers think like, hey, I I, I have overcome some type of obstacle or I've had something crazy that's happened in my life or something I've learned. And I, I want to share my story. My story can help other people. My story can inspire other people. And that always comes from a good place and a genuine place. But the reality is I don't want to burst your bubble but nobody cares about your story. They care about themselves. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> yeah, they just, like people just want to know like what's in it for yeah. me. That's great that you've accomplished mm. that. That's great that you've achieved that. That's great that you overcame that. But what does that have to do with my life? And so I think sometimes, unfortunately, speakers get on stage with a desire to get on stage and almost just kind of like have this therapy session of kind of like working out their own trauma in front of an audience. And that's not good for anybody. So really what you need to do is, again, you have to solve a specific problem for a specific audience. You do that and the audience does not care what your credibility is or what your resume is or what your accomplishments are. They want to know, can you help me solve my problem, either personally or professionally or for our business or whatever? it may be. You do that and you can absolutely be paid to speak. How do you prove it then? Let's just say, taking my example, I have a book on sales coaching uh, and I know some of the answers here, but I'm just asking this out loud anyway. When I, let's say, approach a company, they might say, well, hang us, who who the hell are you? And uh, Mm -hmm. 
Where's the proof that you can actually solve this? Let's say someone listening hasn't got a book. Um, they are an expert in the area, but they want to know what they have to go through, the steps. There must be some kind of steps or a series of steps to go, I should approach these kinds of organizations. I should craft my pitch in this way. I should have these kinds of things as evidence that I can speak, that I can solve, to use your point. What are those? Is there a framework to do that from, let's go from zero to hero? Yeah, that's a great question. So the reality is, is it's important to remember every speaker starts at zero. Every speaker, any speaker you look up to, you admire, you respect the speakers that have been around longer than any of us have been alive and have delivered thousands and thousands of keynotes and presentations and spoken to a billion audience members. Like they all start from zero. There was a time they did none gigs and then they did their first gig. And so speaking is very much a momentum business. The more you speak, the more you speak. Each time you speak, you're going to uh, you're going to get better as a speaker. You're going to get better testimonials. You're going to get better um, uh, video and and uh, pictures and marketing assets and marketing material. But at the beginning, it does absolutely feel like you're you're pushing a boulder uphill. You're just trying to make some traction. You're just trying to make some headway. So what do you do in that situation? Well, uh, a lot of this. Comes down to one of the things we teach is, is there's two key marketing assets that are really important. Number one is you, you have to have a website. Like in this day and age, if you don't have a website, you don't exist. It's hard for people to take you seriously. And on the website, you can absolutely communicate, you know, here's how you're going to solve the problem. You can have some testimonials from uh, clients that you've worked with. And perhaps maybe you're a newer speaker and you're like, where do I get those testimonials? Well, maybe you haven't necessarily spoke at something, but maybe you've worked in that industry or in that space and you can get some testimonials from people who just say, like, hey, I've worked with Mark. Mark knows his stuff. He knows what he's talking about, right? So that's super helpful. Uh, again, even just like the, 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 the language that you talk about. One thing I heard one time is that if you can, def- if you can define a problem to someone better than they can themselves, they will oftentimes assume that you have the solution. So if I can better explain to you what your problem is and what you need to do to fix it, you're going to oftentimes assume like, okay, this guy probably knows what he's talking about. Right. And so anytime for an event planner, a decision maker, they're planning on hiring a speaker, like they are taking some level of risk. You know, I, I hope the speaker is going to do a good job. And so you're using your website in part to communicate some of that. The other thing that we would encourage that any speaker needs is you need a demo video. Now, what exactly is a Ah. demo video? So think of this kind of like a movie trailer. So a movie trailer is basically they're going to take a two-hour movie. They boil it down to two or three minutes. Within those two or three minutes, you have an idea of what's the plot, what's the theme, what's the genre, who's in it. And the goal of the movie trailer and the goal of the demo video is to make people want to see more. So before anybody would go see a movie, you're like, I just want to see the trailer, right? And before an event planner typically would hire a speaker and usually would pay a speaker, they want to see that video because they don't need to see a 30-minute clip to to determine whether or not you're a good fit. They just need to see a couple of minutes because maybe you're a great speaker. You're just not exactly what they're looking for. And so that demo video should give them some type of taste of of this is what it's like to work with me. If you have me come in, maybe again, I'm a great speaker. Maybe it's not exactly a great fit of what you are looking for. So that demo video may or may not be able to necessarily communicate some expertise in that couple of minutes there, but it gives you some type of taste and of credibility of like, can this person actually deliver? Because you have to remember that an event planner, a decision maker, they are in the risk mitigation business. When I put you up on stage and I hand you a microphone and I let you talk to my audience, and if I give you a check, I got to make sure you're going to do good, that you're not going to embarrass us, that you're not going to say anything uh, inappropriate, that you're not going to say anything stupid, uh, that you're going to deliver. And so that that demo video helps to provide some comfort and confidence that like, Okay, I feel like I feel pretty comfortable and confident that this speaker is going to do a good job. 
Okay. A couple of questions in my mind. First of all, if we say that's been done, that's been satisfied, someone says, yeah, I like your style. It looks great. You look like you're convincing. You look professional. You look um, easy to listen to. Mm -hmm. Where do you start in terms of charging? I know for some mm -hmm. people, $5,000 is like a you know, it's it's like winning the lottery almost. Yeah. Um, and then other speakers I've seen on stage, myself, I know they're charging minimum $25,000. How do you figure yep. out what you're actually worth and not worth to you, but worth to the audience? Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, a variety of thoughts here. One is going to be, as you kind of touched on at the end there, that some speakers think, well, I should be charging X, um, or I'm, uh, you know, the idea of like just charge whatever you think you're worth. Well, that means squat. You know, that's you're what my T-shirt says. By the way, it says charge what you're worth. I kid you not. Yeah, but again, like <laughs> the 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 reality is, is like the 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 market will pay what you're valued. It's kind of and it's no different than speaking is no different than you know a house. You know, the house that I'm sitting in right now, I can say this house is worth ten million dollars. But if nobody's going to pay me ten million dollars, it's not worth ten million dollars, despite what I tell myself. And so the same thing is true as a speaker. Like I should be a fifty dollars speaker. I should be a $20,000 speaker, but if nobody's, nobody's paying you for that, for that, then you're not. Now, uh, so here's a couple different ways that you can calculate. I'll give you kind of the long answer and I'll give you the short answer. Let me give okay. you the, the short answer because the, the reality is it's it depends, which is a horrible answer and that's not helpful for anybody. So we actually put together a free speaking fee calculator that if you go to myspeakerfee.com, myspeakerfee.com, it's totally free. You answer 10 or 12 multiple choice questions. It will spit out a number there of what you should be charging as a speaker. Again, totally free there. But let me give you a couple of the variables and factors that go into them. Okay. One is going to be your industry. You can charge more in some industries versus others. You can charge, we talked about those seven industries earlier. You can charge more speaking to corporations versus nonprofits. You can charge more speaking to colleges versus elementary schools. It's not that one's better or worse than the other, but each pond is going to be slightly different of what they are used to paying. So that's going to be a factor. Another factor we touched on is going to be your marketing materials, your marketing assets, your website, your demo video. Now, that doesn't mean that you need to have spent tens of thousands of dollars on this, but you need to recognize and realize that whether we want to admit it or not, people judge books by their cover. And so you want to make sure that your stuff looks sharp because oftentimes when an event planner or decision maker is considering hiring you, they they are not doing that in a vacuum. They are looking at you and they're looking at three or four or five or 10 yeah, other speakers that they're considering. Mm -hmm. So therefore, your stuff needs to look sharp. It needs to look professional. Another variable and factor is going to be your experience. If you're a brand new speaker just getting started, you probably won't be able to charge as much as someone who's been doing this for 10 years and has given hundreds or thousands of presentations. And it's just frankly a better speaker than you, right? And so, uh, again, a lot of variables and factors that, that go into that there. There's also, and we can talk about this if you like, the misconception that like speaking for free is a, is a bad thing. You know, like there's nothing wrong with speaking for free. In fact, there's a lot of ways that you can utilize speaking for free uh, to build and grow your, your business. So uh, again, those are uh, kind of a, a variety of different thoughts that go into that. But again, the shortcut answer is go to myspeakerfee.com. Okay. I'm going to do that for sure. <laughs> Um, something else you mentioned was this, this feeling that the, the person organizing the event needs to, well, they're worried they're in the risk mitigation business. They want to yep. make sure that what, what is that kind of person like who, who typically is the person that we would engage with as potential speakers? W what are their needs? What are their requirements? What do they need to hear from us? And, and how is that to be delivered? 
Yeah, that's a really great question. So there are, it varies a lot depending on the industry, meaning like there, let's say um, uh, in, in some big company, for example, let's say that you were speaking to, uh, let's take Google, for example. Okay, Google is a massive, massive company. There's not like one event where uh, they're like, we're going to bring all of Google together and you're going to come speak to Google, right? It doesn't work like that. Like Google is made up of hundreds or thousands of kind of like subgroups yeah. and subcategories and, and sub events that you could potentially speak to, okay? So being aware of that, realizing then, okay, if you're going to solve a specific problem for a specific audience, who is the person within the organization that is most likely to hire you? Okay. And sometimes it's clear cut. Um, you know, if you're doing some type of sales training, uh, for example, it maybe it's a the VP of sales, maybe it's a director of sales, maybe it's a regional sales leader or sales, regional sales director, right? Could uh, could vary there. If you are speaking to some smaller organization, oftentimes it's the executive director who is the one who's making the final decision. Sometimes there's some type of committee or board who kind of speaks into or has some type of say or vote in it. If you're speaking on, a, on an education level, oftentimes it is the, the principal, kind of the, the head person of a school who may be in charge of, of hiring speakers. So it can definitely vary depending on the industry. Um, but in, in terms of reaching out, one of the things that we would recommend is that in terms of like finding events, you it's really easy to do that through Google. Like you can you can spend a, a few minutes like kind of sifting through and searching for potential events that you would be a good fit for. And then what you want to do is you want to the goal here is once you find some type of event, uh, uh, is you want to reach out and start a conversation with an event planner because oftentimes an event planner they're not gonna I don't know that I've ever reached out to an event planner and they after one email or something or one contact they're like hey this sounds amazing. Can we hire you? Like it doesn't work like that. You know, you're you're starting a conversation here. So it's kind of you're you're asking someone out on a date. You're not trying to propose on the first date there. You're just trying to start this conversation. So what you want to try to do is find out what is their timeline for hiring a speaker. Okay. Okay. Because let's say they're planning an annual conference. Let's say this uh, this conference happens in uh October, right? You just want to figure out like what at what point are you going to start reviewing speakers? Um, because most events they're gonna start reviewing speakers, considering speakers anywhere from three to six months out. The bigger the event is, the further out they're going to hire and consider speakers. Okay? okay, The smaller the event in, maybe the closer. In fact, uh, post-pandemic, we've actually seen that timeline shrinking. So it's not unusual now to see events that are hiring speakers one to two months out. That's crazy, but it, it certainly happens a lot more now than it used to. Hmm. So just kind of figuring out what is their what is their timeline. And at that point, then you can start a follow-up process. The mistake speakers make sometimes is, is reaching out to an event planner, a decision maker, and it's kind of like, Hey, if you ever need a speaker, I hope you think of me. Like that doesn't work. Um, but figuring out, like, hey, what what what's their timeline? If they say, you know, we're going to start reviewing speakers in June, great. Uh, is it okay if I start if I follow up with you in June? And most of the event planners and decision makers don't care because they don't think you're going to actually do it, and because most speakers don't actually do it. And so you have to remember that as a speaker, part of what you are providing is what you provide on stage as a speaker, the content, the training, the value that you bring from the stage. But the other part that you are doing is you're pro you're providing the experience of what it's like to work with you. Because if you're amazing on stage, but you're a pain in the butt off stage. And by pain in the butt, I don't mean that you're a prima donna or that you're a diva. I just mean that like you're easy to work with. When you do that, 
event planners, decision makers want to work with you. They want to bring you right. back. They want to refer you. And this is not this is not cl- uh, uh, exclusive to just speakers. This is anything. You know, if you're hiring a handyman to come over and, and fix some plumbing problem at your house, like I want them to fix the problem, but I want them to like do what they say they're going to do. Show up on time. Be easy to work with. Be nice. Be considerate. You know, the the little things. Because if they are amazing to work with in terms of uh, they fix the plumbing pro- problem, but they're just this pain in the butt. Like, golly, like, I don't want to exactly. tell anybody about that person. So you got to be great both on stage and off stage. So being organized, being being clear about your uh, speech, what you're going to talk about and hitting those value points. And, and so it's admin, not just um, amazing on stage, but it's admin as well. Um, okay. So let's just, let's just imagine that someone is easy to work with. They're hireable. They have a great niche and they have a great talk lined up. And then people come off stage and someone says to them, oh my God, that was amazing, Mark or Grant. What are the ingredients of an amazing keynote speech? It could be one hour, could be what, 90 minutes is perhaps a lot maybe, but what is a what, what is a kick-ass great keynote look like? So much so that people can't wait to hire you again. Yeah, that's a great question. Well, uh, the honesty is that like, there are definitely some variables in here that are going to depend on the audience. So it's kind of like, think about it like um, uh, movies or music. You know, there are some movies that some one person may watch and be like, that was an amazing movie. It won a bunch of awards and someone else watched me like, I didn't get it. It just wasn't, you know, it wasn't my, my cup of tea. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, the same thing is true with music. You know, one type of music or genre someone may love, someone else may be like, ah, it's just not for me. Okay. Again, it's not that it's that's true with speakers. You know, there's some speakers that people see and they're like, that was an amazing talk. And someone else, like, it just didn't click with me. Now, there are some common things that I think work really, really well. Uh, I think one thing that's super effective that any speaker can do is tell stories and tell a lot of stories. Like, as human beings, we are drawn to stories. So if I said right now, all right, Mark, let me tell you a story. Like everybody immediately locks in on that. It's like, I don't know, is this story going to be interesting? Is it going to be sad? Is it going to be funny? Is it going to be uh, personal? Is it going to be inspirational? Is it going to be depressing? I have no clue, but it's a story. I'm in. Sign me up. Where are we going? Like people love stories. So I think uh, telling stories, telling first person stories is really, really valuable. The other thing that any speaker can do is be spend a lot of time to be prepared. I think a, a misconception here is that the best speakers on the planet, they, they're just nat- naturally talented. They've got the gift of gab. They scribble some ideas on a napkin. They hop up there. They just wing it. And they just shoot from the hip and it all just works out. Like, don't do that. That is lazy. That is sloppy. Professional speakers do not do that. So you spend a lot of time behind the scenes practicing, rehearsing, going over the talk. So by the time you get up on stage, it looks like you may just be winging it. It looks like you're just kind of going through it, but like it's so polished because you spent the time to prepare, because you spent the time behind the scenes. And this isn't, again, this isn't exclusive to just speakers. This is true for anything. You know, when you, if you watch a professional athlete, you know, like recently was the Super Bowl over here in the US and you have these, these professional football players that are incredibly, incredible athletes, incredible at what they do, but they also spent so much time behind the scenes, practicing in the weight room, going over plays, going over drills. So by the time they step on the field, it looks effortless. Wow. These guys are just really good. It's like, yeah, but they've also spent an enormous amount of time practicing. And that is something that any speaker at any level can do is really spend the time to practice, to go over, to feel a lot more confident whenever you step on stage. So which brings us nicely to the last bit today, which is the speaker lab itself. Um, How do you give what you've said on your LinkedIn profile? You give give speakers clarity, confidence, and a clear path. Let's say 
someone wants to work with you, they like what you've just explained and they want to be a keynote speaker because they have credibility and they've got yeah. content. W- what do you do with speakers and how do you help them? Yeah, a lot of speakers come to us and they say, I like speaking. I've done some speaking. I, I just, uh, and it's stuff that I've done where uh, it's fallen in my lap. It's been word of mouth. It's been a referral from a friend. Uh, I've done some speaking on behalf of my work or my company, and I would love to do more. I just don't know what to do. How do I actually, how do I turn this into a sustainable, repeatable business? You know, and, and the idea of just like sitting and waiting for the phone to ring is not a strategy. Wishing and waiting <laughs> does not work. So you, you got to have some type of plan in place right. here. And so we've worked with speakers in every U.S. state in 49 different countries around the world, all different ages, stages of life, all different you know careers and backgrounds that people have come from. And so when we talk about clarity, confidence, and a clear path, one of the things that we want to do is help people understand of all the different, all those seven industries and all the different options there, let's narrow it down. Like, what does this look like for you? So we do a lot of one-on-one coaching, a lot of group coaching, help people getting that clarity. Once people have that clarity, uh, a natural byproduct of that is, is oftentimes the confidence of like, oh, dang, like there is a path. There is a, a, a roadmap here that I can actually do this. And so that's a big thing that we we talk about that we work with speakers on is helping them to have that confidence. So we work with speakers on helping to, to think through their talk. We help speakers on those marketing assets. So we create websites and demo videos for speakers. So you don't have to mess with that. We'll take care of that for you. We okay. find speaking leads specific to you. We give you email scripts, email templates. We tell you exactly what to say, when to reach out, how to follow up. Like we, It's very cookie cutter, book in a box type thing. We want to make this dead simple for you. But again, you have to do the work. You have to show up and deliver. It's kind of like, you know, if you hired a, a personal trainer, like you, you show up to the gym, they're going to tell you, hey, this is what you're going to do. This is how many sets you're going to do. This is how many reps you're going to do. This is how long we're going to work out. This is what I need you to eat. Like they're going to, they're going to take out all the guesswork. You still got to show up at the gym and you still got to show up and do the work. So if that's you, if you're serious about like, hey, I want to get booked and paid to speak, I want to make an impact and, a, and an income with my message, then that's what we do at the Speaker Lab. Fantastic. Where can people find out more about you? You've mentioned a couple of links. Um, let's get people bookmarking what you want them to see. Yeah, everything we do is over at thespeakerlab.com, thespeakerlab.com. Mm-hmm. We have a podcast by the same name. So if you listen to this podcast, you probably listen to other ones. So we have the the Speaker Lab podcast. We've got over 440 some episodes there uh, on the on all things related to speaking. So definitely check that out. Also have a book called The Successful Speaker, Five Steps for Booking Gigs, Getting Paid, Building Your Platform. So definitely would encourage people to uh, to check that out, kind of walk through the, the five-step process that we teach uh, inside the Speaker Lab. But yeah, everything we do is at the Speaker Lab. And so uh, check it out. Give us a shout. There's and of course, you mentioned myspeakerfee.com as well. Yep. Myspeakerfee is a great one. It's a fun tool to play with. Um, play with that a dozen times, put in a bunch of different variables, see what number it spits out. I'm going over speaking there now. Fee, yeah. Speaking <laughs> fees is much more of an art than a science, but it'll, it'll get you in the ballpark there. Grant, thank you so much for being my guest on the show today. That was wonderful. Thanks, Mark. My sincere thanks to Grant for being my guest today. And again, you can find out more about Grant. Grant mentioned a couple of websites, including myspeakerfee.com, thespeakerlab.com. And he also mentioned his book, which is The Successful Speaker. You can find out those links over at my website, which is trainingbusiness.com, or you can simply go directly to those links right now, myspeakerfee.com and thespeakerlab.com. You can also connect with Grant on LinkedIn. That's it for this week. Thank you so much for being my listener. I'm hopeful that you got something from this. I'm sure you did. Please tell other people about the show. Let others know that there is a show out there for people just like them. If you know someone in your family or your extended network who are, again, coaches, facilitators, trainers, 
authors, experts who would like to get some inspiration from listening to people just like them, trying to solve the kinds of challenges that they have as well, then this is the show and I'd love to know that you're recommending this to other people. But until next Thursday, keep going, keep training and coaching and doing what you do and love to do and I'll see you next time. Bye for now. once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. See you next time.